Hi, and welcome to the February 14th episode of the Enjoying the Bible podcast. I'm Matt Ellis, and I'm the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Polk City, Florida. And my desire is to help you grow in your understanding and enjoyment of God's Word so that you can apply it in the power of the Holy Spirit. Today's reading is just in the Old Testament again. We'll get back into the New Testament in the Gospel of Matthew tomorrow. But today's reading is Luke chapter 15 and 16. Once again, Luke 15 and 16. So if you haven't read that, go back, hit pause, go back uh, and read those passages of Scripture. And then I would encourage you to come back to the podcast and hit play and and listen to what I've got to say about it. And once again, uh, if you just have a busy schedule and you get behind on these podcasts, don't feel overwhelmed. Um, I mean, if you want, you can go back and just catch up where you left off or you can just skip ahead. Um, So it's just my desire is to provide you with a resource for the reading that you have for that day uh, to just provide some insights and some explanations along the way. So I hope you're ready. Let's get started. Okay, so when we come to Leviticus 15, I would venture to say that if you're in the medical field, you enjoyed this chapter. At least you were fascinated by this chapter. But for the rest of us, not so much. Uh, It's just a big, long thing about bodily fluids, (laughs) you know, for the men and for the women. And uh, what would render them unclean and how long they were to be rendered unclean and so on and so forth. But when we look at this, even those of us that are not in the medical field, even when we look at this, we understand that if nothing else, this was the Lord giving to his people instructions to keep them from getting something from someone else. We understand that there are certain bodily fluids that can pass on certain diseases, Um, There are, within the sexual act, bodily fluids, and some of those can pass on HIV and some other things. Uh, Within the blood, there are certain contaminants in the blood. If someone has a a serious disease, now people, they take precautions. They put gloves on to keep their hands from getting into that. And so we understand that there's certain things that can be passed on in bodily fluids. The people of Israel almost certainly didn't realize that. And so they just saw this chapter as the Lord rendering people unclean who had a bodily fluid um, flow. Um, and so they would abide by it. The There was also a stigma attached to it. They would be unclean. They would be unclean for the day, for a week, for however long. And in fact, that would keep them from worshiping at the temple In fact, sometimes they would even have to holler out to someone, I'm unclean, uh, so that others would stay away. And so there was a motivation among the Israelites to not do the things or to try to take care of their body and try not to get near someone who had uh, some sort of bodily fluid that was, you know, an issue. Uh, So they would be motivated not to be unclean. That means they kept their distance. And... They may have wondered why we would say that it was in an age thousands of years before any sort of semblance of good medical care would would uh, be in existence. They were just 
through this, staying away from people, staying away from things that would not only render them ceremonially unclean, but would also keep them healthy um, and uh, enable them to enjoy the benefits of good hygiene. Once again, we see in a boring chapter, <laughs> what seems to be a boring chapter, God giving instruction that is for the well-being of his people. Just because God's law doesn't make sense doesn't mean it's not for our good. Okay, so we come to Leviticus 16, and this is the events or the the instructions regarding the Day of Atonement. I don't want to go through this verse by verse or section by section, because basically that would be just taking you step by step through this ritual, which much of it, I don't believe, much of it doesn't have any bearing on us. But there are some things in here that I do want to address because they do um, point to Jesus. One of them particularly points to Jesus, and it is a benefit to us. Okay, so first, what is atonement? Day of atonement. Well, atonement in the English language, um, and also I realize there are there's a growing number of people that are listening to this podcast outside of the United States of America. Uh, I see on the data that we've got a number of probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 to 12 countries right now that are listening or at least have listened to this podcast outside the United States of America. We are so grateful that you're listening. But in the English language, this is just something helpful for us. In the English language, if you spell out atonement and just write it out, atonement, then you could actually split it into three words, at one meant. Atonement can be split into three. You know, it's just helpful to understand what it is, at one meant. And so atonement is bringing two into one, particularly when speaking about us, it's bringing us into a right relationship. It's the, the forgiveness of our sins and declaring us righteous that brings us into a relationship with the Father. And so the Day of Atonement is God bringing sinners into relationship with him by atoning for their sins or dealing decisively with their sins so that they can enjoy oneness and relationship with him. So that's the Day of Atonement. Something else about the Day of Atonement is it only happened one day out of the Israelite calendar year. The Day of Atonement was just one day. It's the Day of Atonement. Not only that, but uh, the Day of Atonement was the only day of the year that the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies. The Holy of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant was. The mercy seat is there on top. And the Lord uh, rested or resided in his power and glory above that mercy seat. That was in the Holy of Holies. 364 days a year, the priest and certainly nobody else, they better not step into the Holy of Holies because if they did, God would kill them. His presence was to be respected. He was not to be treated trivially and comp like common. And so it was one day a year that God allowed someone to step into his presence and it was the high priest. And only if 
he followed the strict rules, the strict instructions of Leviticus 16. If he did not come in with the blood of a bull for himself and a blood of a goat for he and his family, and then if he did not step out and then bring in the blood of a goat for the Israelites, if he did not do everything exactly the way the Lord had commanded, well, the Lord had already demonstrated how that two of Aaron's sons were immediately killed when they disobeyed the instructions, when they did things their own way. And so this was a very fearful moment for the priest, the high priest, to come into God's presence on the Day of Atonement. And he came in with blood. Once again, this whole sacrificial system should be seen as appalling. It should never warm our hearts. It was intended to be something gross and grotesque and saturated with the death of something that was innocent that would die in the place of someone who was guilty. This was never intended to warm our hearts. It wasn't intended to warm their hearts. It was a demonstration of how serious our sin is and that in order for us to be made right with God, something had to die. And so the Old Testament sacrifices... All of them, the blood sacrifices, all of them point to Jesus because none of them could actually completely forgive those sinners. It was Jesus that ultimately and finally did that. But I want to point out something. If you look in verses um, 6 and 10, now I'm not going to read that to you, but if you look in verses 6 through 10, you see that there were two goats and lots were to be cast on these two goats. And these goats were to be, well, one was to be offered for the sin of the people of Israel. The priest would offer this and then sprinkle the blood. But one of them, as you read this chapter, would not be killed. In fact, the high priest would put his hand on the head of this goat and a lot uh, casting lots. I don't know if that was like dice or or was it him reaching in to the Urim and Thummim and one of them meant one goat would go free, the other meant the other goat would go free. We don't know. But one of the goats was sacrificed, the other one got to go free. But before he went free, the high priest would put his hands on the head of this goat and pronounce all of the sins of the people. And by him putting his hands on the head of that goat, it's as if he was conferring the guilt of the sins of the people of Israel onto this goat. And then what would they do with that goat? They would have a man who would take him out into the wilderness far away and then release him. And then they would never see that goat again. The man that came back would have to cleanse himself and be rendered unclean. I think it was for a day. And uh, But what did that goat, what did that goat symbolize? Friend, I'm telling you that not only was Jesus pictured in the death of the bull and the goat for the people of Israel and for Aaron and his family, not only did Jesus get pictured in the one who was killed and the animal that was killed and the blood that was shed, but Jesus also was pictured in the scapegoat. He was pictured in the scapegoat. What was that a picture of? It was the picture of not only were sins forgiven in God's presence by the goat, the, the bull that was killed, but also sins would be cast so far away from us that we would never see them again. 
I bet some of you are probably thinking of this verse that's found in Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's what the scapegoat was to picture. The fact that God wanted one of those goats and the bull to be offered up as a sacrifice demonstrated that our sin requires a blood sacrifice. Something has to die because of our guilt before a holy God. But the other, the, the scapegoat, the escape goat, he was sent off away and just kept on going to demonstrate that God would choose not to remember our sins anymore that he's gone. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. And friend, let me tell you also that um, there's a there's a song that, you know, people Christians sing every now and then. I don't I don't like it, and it has this line as uh, God has uh, how does it go? As as far as the sea of his forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins for, are gone. He's cast our sins into the sea of his forgetfulness. I think that's crazy. God doesn't forget. Forgetfulness is a weakness. God simply chooses not to remember, right? God doesn't forget anything that you or I have done. He doesn't forget those sins because that would mean he's got a weakness. Instead, it's an act of his will that he chooses not to remember. He casts them as far as the east is from the west. Friend, if you have asked God to forgive you of a sin, not only has Jesus been your the sacrifice, the Lamb of God that died on the cross for your sins to forgive you, but the escape goat also demonstrates that God is never going to remember that sin again. If you've asked him for forgiveness, it's gone, friend. Maybe you struggle and you keep thinking about it, but God's not thinking about it. He's chosen not to remember it because it's already been paid by Jesus on the cross. Friend, I'm telling you as a pastor that there are many many people that I have counseled in my ministry that are dealing with guilt, guilt over things that they have asked the Lord to forgive them of hundreds of times, hundreds of times. And if they meant it the first time that they asked for forgiveness, if the first time they went to the Lord and with broken heart they acknowledged what they had done and they asked for the Lord's forgiveness, that first time they were offered God's forgiveness, they just failed to take it. Friend, I'm telling you, don't live in guilt. The Jesus is pictured in the animals that died for your sin. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. He died so that you can be forgiven. But he also is pictured in that scapegoat. He has taken your sins so far away that God is choosing not to remember. I don't know about you and what you may be struggling with and what sins may be in your past, what things maybe you've done, and whenever you think about them, you're still so ashamed even though you've asked for forgiveness. Friend, I'm telling you that Paul wrote to the church at Rome, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Jesus has become your curse. He took your guilt. You've asked for his forgiveness. He paid for it on the cross. You need to receive that forgiveness and realize that God has sent that sin as far as the east is from the west, and you never have to worry about it anymore. If there's someone who's whispering in your ear to make you continually feel guilty, it's not the Lord.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you this day and Lord, I I suspect that there there's people who are listening to this right now who probably every now and then just have guilt feelings come up. Maybe there may even be someone who's who's just getting swallowed up in guilt over things that they've asked you to forgive them of so many times before. Lord, I pray that you would cause them to realize that the Day of Atonement, this picture that we read about in Leviticus 16, reminds us of the fact that Jesus was the final and ultimate lamb that died on that cross and rose from the dead to conquer sin in the grave and forgave us of every single thing. And as we come to him and just ask for the cleansing for sins that we commit, we know that they were nailed to the cross. They're done. They're over with. And Lord, we also see in this about the scapegoat and how you took the sin of the people and just sent it so far away that they never saw it again. Lord, I pray for that one who may be dealing with guilt, that you would help them to realize that you, if they have genuinely, sincerely asked for forgiveness, that you have been, your hand is still extended, offering it right now. And Lord, I pray that they would take it and breathe the fresh air of grace and forgiveness. I pray this, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our time together this day as we've now finished February the 14th, finished our uh, reading and podcast for this day. I hope you're enjoying this time. Once again, feel free if you're enjoying these podcasts, if you're enjoying the episodes, tell somebody about it, share it on social media, but don't just share it. Write down what, what you enjoyed about it. Let others know what it is that you're enjoying about this. I sure really, really appreciate you all for faithfully listening and giving feedback uh, through the Facebook group page and sometimes through uh, Facebook Messenger. I just want you all to know I love you, and I'm so glad that we get to spend this time together. I'm looking forward to spending more time with you tomorrow. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.